Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Romans, to chapter 8. Be looking at verses 14 through 16 this morning. And if you don't have your Bible with you, there should be Bibles under the pews, so you can grab one. We sing, we sing praises to him. We, we begin our, our services every Sunday morning with a call, a call to worship, a call to worship that comes from scripture, God's people coming together to worship. And we worship him in song and giving. As we study his word, continue to worship him in song. But the weight of, of what moves us to praise him is, is infinite. You, you, you think of the doctrines that we have gone through in the book of Romans as we've been studying now just in the first eight chapters. And the weight of, of the preciousness of theology, of doctrine, going through and, and looking at our salvation. And you go through and you, you look at what God tells us about our salvation, about who, about who we are, who we were, who God is, and, and how it is that he has saved us. And our, our hearts have just bursted with praise to him, haven't we? You, you think of the sin that, that covered us. If you've been with us as we've gone through this, these first eight, eight chapters, you, you've, seen, you've seen the depth of our sin. I mean, him telling us things like there's none righteous. Not even one. There's none who does good. There's none that even seek after him. We, we, don't, we don't do that. We don't seek after him. We, we, run, we run in the opposite direction of him. Our sin is, is so great that God tells us that we don't fear him at all. It tells us that we were haters of God. You, you look at it and it's just this weight that comes upon us as God through his word shows us who we are, and, and it, it, it's such that we see that w- without a doubt that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were blind, we were dead, we were in a place where there was nothing that we had. I mean, if, if we were to come before him with our righteousness, God says that there's none of it. it. It's just filthy rags. Our hands 
would be totally emptied. There's nothing that we could ever bring to him. A, a place where we deserved eternity apart from him, in eternal hell, under the wrath of God. The weight of our sin would be so great that we see that in the last days that people will be there under his wrath, crying out for the rocks to fall on them, to hide them from him. And then you look at the gospel. You look at the gospel, and the gospel tells us that that the gospel is the power of God to save us. God's power. God's power to take us who had nothing of ourselves to offer him and to take, to take us and to draw us by the sweetness of his Holy Spirit, regenerate us, cause our eyes to be open, bring us to faith in him to where, to where he takes hearts of stone and makes them hearts of flesh and he takes all of the sins that once covered us and he, he removes them completely from us. He, he replaces it with robes of righteousness, all the wrath that we deserved. Every bit of wrath that we deserved for all eternity was placed upon our Lord Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross to where our wrath was removed. It was taken from us, placed upon him. The wrath that God placed upon us was now placed upon his son, his only son, whom he loved. He took it all to where there is therefore now no condemnation for us who are in Christ. It's all removed. It's all gone. It was all placed upon Christ. And it all comes by faith in him. Not us, not our works, not us meeting him halfway. It all comes by faith in him to where our salvation is not of works. We've looked at that all through the book of Romans so far. It's not of works. None of us would ever be able to boast before him. None of us will ever be able to go before him and say, look at what I did, aren't you pleased? We look and we realize that it's nothing good that we had to offer. It wasn't that he looked at us and saw that he needed us. It was all of his good pleasure. It was all of his grace. And none of it was the result of anything that he found as far as merit within us. And the salvation that we have that takes the wrath that was to be placed upon us, removes it, replaces it with robes that are full of the very righteousness of Christ. To where we're not condemned, to where we get to spend eternity rather with him in heaven. And if I, if I just look at that, if we together look at at this alone, to our sins that condemned us being removed because of the work of Christ on the cross, his righteousness coming upon us to where there's no more wrath for us at all, well, it is enough. I mean, it would be enough to cause us to praise him both now and forevermore that we are not condemned, that we are not covered in our sins anymore that he took it all upon himself, it would be enough for us to just exalt him for all eternity. And yet it gets better. You look at our salvation and, and 
The next couple studies, this one, the following one, as we continue to study Romans chapter 8, we are going to look at how it gets, it gets that much better. He saved us by regenerating us, by giving us justification, by faith alone. But there's something else that God does for us, and that's what we're going to look at this morning, and that is that he adopts us into his family. I mean, we, we, we could have been saved. We, we could have been placed to where our sins were removed. It would have been glorious for him just to cause us to cease to exist at that point rather than have eternity in hell. But he doesn't do that. He gives us his righteousness, takes our sin from us, gives us his righteousness, causes us to spend eternity with him in heaven. But I, but I pray that our Praise this morning will be heightened even more as we contemplate that he has not only done that, which is enough, but he's adopted us into his family. It's praiseworthy. Let's look at this particular section of scripture, Romans 8 verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And we began looking at this a few weeks ago, but I want to centers specifically on the idea of adoption this morning. Adoption is just a wonderful picture of what it is that God has done for us. You don't see adoption frequently in the Old Testament. There's just a couple of occurrences where there's a a small glimpse of adoption. Adoption under, under that particular time in Judaism was not common. Families took care of one another. Um, there was a whole system set up towards that. It entered in during the time of, of, of the Romans. But we see little pictures here and there. Dealing with Mordecai, dealing with Moses, entering into Pharaoh's family. But, but there's a sweet picture, and I'll just summarize it for you, that comes from 2 Samuel chapter 9. And it's this picture of, of Jonathan has, has died. Jonathan was David's friend, King David's friend. And, and David says, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Is there anybody that's left in the house of Saul? Because I want to show him kindness for the sake of Jonathan, my friend. And so they tell us, yeah, there, there is somebody. It's Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth, he, he's the only one that's still there. And he, he has feet that are lame. They don't work. And you look at this and you, you see David pursue him. It wasn't that 
Mephibosheth came saying, like, I'm part of the family still. David says, is there anybody else that's left in the house of Saul? And you see this picture where David is pursuing him. And it's good that Jonathan is his friend, but ultimately it's coming from the house of Saul. And we know that Saul was one who tried to kill David over and over again. And there's this picture of this young man. David comes to him and says, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. You're going to get all the land that Saul once had, your grandfather. I'll give it all to you. Not only that, but from this point on, you will eat at my table from now on. From this point on, you're in my house. From this point on, you're a part of my family. We're told that Mephibosheth bowed his head and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Why would you even look upon such a dead dog as I? I'm nothing. I'm, I'm this, this man, I, my, my feet don't work. There's nothing that I could have ever offered you. I can't serve you. I can't, I can't work your fields. I can't do anything for you. Why would you ever look upon such a dead dog as I? Mephibosheth, his very name means a shameful thing. A shameful thing. The chapter ends by saying, So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, and he ate continually at the king's table. And he was lame in both his feet. And you look at us. I think it's an incredible picture because we were enemies. It wasn't that we were cute. It wasn't that we were in a place where it's just like, oh, I just can't live without them. We were, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were a, a shameful thing. Our feet were lame. Nothing that we could ever offer to God as far as pick me, pick me. And yet, he has looked Upon such dead dogs as you and I. He's brought us into his home. Eat at my table continually. Forever eat at my table continually. Be a part of my family. God's done that for us. And we look at this text this morning and it says... For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. You didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. You've been adopted. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And then it says four. It goes right back to the verse before. Four. Dealing with verse 14. Since you are sons of God... Since you are sons of God, you're no longer filled with the spirit of bondage. You don't look at God in dreadful fear as one who is distant, one who, 
simply sees God as a fearful judge, one who wants to do good works to earn favor with him. We're not in a place where he's far away. Rather, you've been adopted as a child of God. You've received the Holy Spirit who's caused you to be born again, regenerated, and he's made it so that you have a new nature. You're a new creation in Christ, and you've been given all the rights of sonship as one who has been adopted into God's family. And so Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, brings that to us this morning. We've been adopted. Our adoption, the fruit of our justification and our regeneration, it's an aspect of salvation that is distinct in Brothers and sisters, it's precious to us this morning. Our adoption. John Murray, theologian, says, he distinguishes adoption from justification and regeneration by saying this. Justification means our acceptance with God as righteous. Justification means that you are accepted to be with God as righteous. And the bestowal of the title to everlasting life. You're given everlasting life. Regeneration is the renewing of our hearts after the image of God. You're made a new creation in him. But the blessings, but these blessings in themselves, however precious they are, do not indicate what is conferred by the act of adoption. By adoption, the redeemed become sons and daughters of the Lord God Almighty. They are introduced into and given the privileges of God's family. He never refers to the angels as brethren. And yet we are called brethren. We've been brought into the family of God to where all the rights and the privileges that Christ has as the Son of God, so do you. Think about that. I mean, we are found in Christ, in Him, in His righteousness, found in Him to where. The sonship, the being a part of the family of God, all that Christ has as being the son of God, likewise, you have. When you enter into eternity with him, you will have all of the rights of sonship. We won't be deity, obviously. Christ alone is a part of the triune God. But all that comes with sonship, we will have. Children of God. We're born not of blood, nor of the will of man, nor the will of flesh, but of God. Adoption It's a judicial act that takes place to where you enter in to the family of God. You'll hear people say things like, God is the father of us all, meaning the whole world. And you'll find that to some extent that's true. You'll see it in Acts that he has created all. But the right of sonship the right of adoption, the right of being brought into the family of God and calling him Father is given to us believers in the Lord Jesus Christ alone, and it's glorious. 
for all eternity, we will be able to taste of that and know the sweetness of it. Adoption's mentioned in a few places in, in, in the New Testament. Let, let's learn a little bit more about our adoption. Turn with me to, to Ephesians 1, verse 3. Ephesians 1, verse 3. It says here, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, just stop in there for a second. He, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. M- meaning that your, your salvation, my salvation through Christ, is so great that there has been, there has been not one good thing that has been withheld from you or from me. There will never be a moment in eternity where you'll look upon this salvation in which you have been saved and you'll look upon it and say, it's good, but I wish I, I, wish I had that. There's nothing, there's no aspect of your salvation that has been withheld from you. In fact, not only has he saved you, not only are there streets of gold and pearly gates, and not only do you enter into the joy of the Lord, not only will you be able to see him in his glory, not only will sin be removed and and have it be where there's no temptation anymore, it's gone, not only will you have new glorious glorified bodies, but you will be called his children brought into the family of God to where, I'll tell you, a billion years from now, you and I, our hearts will delight at the fact that he has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, including adoption into his family, that we belong to him. And just as he sees Christ as his son, likewise, us too will be in that particular place, approaching his throne boldly to the place where we see him, not as our judge, but as our heavenly father. And there will be a sweetness, a perfection there. I mean, we look at at earthly fathers, and uh, earthly fathers, as good as they are, we we still fail miserably. And some of you maybe have earthly fathers who maybe weren't the best example, maybe you don't look at them and think, wow, just incredible. Maybe they're not believers. Maybe they've hurt you. But you know what it is to be a good father. And I'll tell you, our father who is in heaven is perfect. And you look at it all. You look at it all, and there will be a day where we will look upon him as our heavenly father. In, and hopefully we'll taste of it this morning. And taste of it in this life frequently. But there will be a day where it will cause your heart to overflow with so much joy that it will be unending to know your position in the family of God. And so he has not held back anything that is good. Verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. 
that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And so you start looking at this adoption. When did the adoption process start? When, when did this occur? And God says, I, I chose you before I ever created the world, before the foundations of the earth. I knew you. I chose you. And, and the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write these things so that our hearts would be excited about what this gift is that he's given us, where he says, before I ever created anything, I chose you. And then he goes on. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. This adoption that we have, this adoption that we're looking at in Romans chapter 8, predestined us, he predestined us to adoption. It wasn't an afterthought. Before the foundations of the world, he chose us, predestined us for adoption so that you would be a part of the family of God, so that you would spend all eternity with him as sons, as daughters within the family of God. And he did it, how? By Jesus Christ. He predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. That, that, that little phrase, by Jesus Christ, tells us everything about our adoption. Our adoption came because of Christ and him crucified. The only way that you ever could have been adopted into the family of God was for the Son of God, God himself, to become a man and to go to the cross and to take all the wrath that we deserve for all of our sins so that we might be found in him. When we talk about being found in Christ, it means you're found in him and you get all that he has regarding sonship. So it comes through Christ. Why? Why? Why were we adopted? And then it tells us, according to the good pleasure of his will. That's one of the most mysterious things to me in Scripture. According to the good pleasure of his will, you and I were adopted into the family of God. What it tells me, according to the good pleasure of his will, means that it wasn't because I was cute. He didn't adopt me because he looked at me and said, oh, that's a good one. Look at Spent a lot of time in Romania ministering to orphans there. We still go back and minister to orphans there alongside Kelly and Andre. The orphans there, I've heard orphan after orphan say, nobody would ever pick me. I'm too old. For them to pick me. No one would want someone my age. No one would pick me. Because I'm. Disabled in this way. I've watched the other ones go. Nobody would ever. Pick me. One of the most incredible things about Facebook. Is that I've been able to contact some of these kids. That are now adults. They now have kids of their own. And it's incredible. I type something, and then I put it in some other program, and it translates it into Romanian, and then I send it to them. And then they type something, and 
put it in there and turns it into English and they send it back to me. And to be able to communicate with them and to see what God's done in their lives. And yet there's times where I remember them saying, nobody would ever, they would never pick me. And yet you look at your salvation and you say, why me? Why did you adopt me into your family? And he tells us it was according to the good pleasure of my will. What does that mean to you? It doesn't, it means a few things. One is it means that it wasn't because you were cute. Scripture extinguishes that by saying you were sinners. You were dead in your sin. You were haters of God. There was none that were righteous. No, not one. There was none that were seeking after him. None of it. And so we look at it and we say, praise you, God. Praise you that you adopted me. You chose me before the foundations of the world. You did this. According to the good pleasure of your will, you did this. To the praise of the glory of his grace, adopted us as sons by Jesus Christ himself, to the praise of the glory of his grace. So that you and I would be here this morning and just, we would sing praises to him and just the praises would come forward because we realized that we had nothing to offer him. He did it all for us. He saved us. He called us. He did this. He gave us new hearts. He's made it so that we will spend eternity with him. He sealed us through the power of his Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. It's a guarantee. And he's done all of this. And we just, we praise him for the glory of his grace for what he has done for us by which he made us accepted in the beloved. He made us accepted. He made it so that our sins could be totally and completely hurled into the depths of the sea. We're found in Christ and we are part of the beloved to, we are, to where we are our sons and daughters. The beloved. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And you're found in the beloved. You're adopted into the kingdom of God, into his family. It's adoption. You find it again in Galatians chapter 4. In verse 4. Very closely a parallel text to what we're looking at this morning. But when the fullness, Galatians 4.4. 4, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son. Born of a woman, born under the law. To redeem those who are under the law. That we might receive the adoption as sons. He sent forth his son. Born of a woman. Born under the law to redeem us. To purchase us who are under the law. That we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons. God sent forth the spirit of his son. Into your hearts. Crying out Abba Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. A son. No longer a slave, but a son. And we go back to to Romans chapter 8. And it tells us here in our text, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. 
You're no longer a slave. You don't look at him like that. You don't look at him, what can I do to earn your favor? What can I do to please you? How can I merit something with you? What can I do? We, we are not in a place at all like that. We're not a slave. We're a son. We're adopted into his family. There's this change that has taken place within us. John tells us, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. (laughs) Behold the manner of love. Behold the weight, the manner, the magnitude of God's love for you and for me that we should be called the children of God. It's glorious. If, If you've ever watered down this doctrine by thinking of everybody who has ever been created as a child of God, Go back to these doctrines to look at it and say, no, he created all, but you have been made a child of God because of the manner in which God loved you before he ever created the world and he adopted you and he redeemed you by the precious blood of his son so that you could spend eternity with him. He has made you a part of the beloved. He's done this for you to where we're different. How do you know that you're adopted into the family of God? Number one, through the promises in Scripture, through faith in Christ, it tells us. Galatians 3.26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. How do you know that you have that adoption? By faith in him. If you're here this morning, you say, I don't believe in him. I don't believe in Christ. I don't believe in the cross. I don't believe that he paid the price for my sins. Then you're not a son. You're not found in the beloved. All that I'm talking about does not apply to you. The only way that you could ever be adopted into his family is through faith in him. Secondly, as we looked at in Romans 8, 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So one of the ways that you know that you're a child of God, one who's adopted into the family of God, one of his sheep, is that you're led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will always lead you through his word. He'll give you life. He'll empower you. He'll illuminate scripture to you. He'll enable you to understand his word. He'll guide us. He'll direct us through his word. He'll convict you of sin. He is purifying you. He gives you holy affections for our triune God. He does this over and over again. You know that you're a child of God because you're being led by him. You used to not desire to please him. Now you do. You used to not be convicted of sin in a holy way. Now you are. You used to never pursue righteousness, now you do. You see him and he's molding you and he's conforming you into his image and you say things like Paul where it's like, what am I doing? The things I hate to do, I do. And the things I I don't want to do, the very things that I do, a wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of death? You say things like that because you know, oh, I want to please him. But you didn't think that way before. So for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. How else do we know that we're adopted in the family of God? Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And I would say first and foremost, through his word. 
Through his word, he reveals himself to us. He lays out the plan of salvation. He causes our eyes to be open, that we look at the promises of God. We look at what he says, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We look at what he says as far as you'll know them by their fruit. You, you look at it and, 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 and the promises that are given of our hope being in him and being in the cross and not being in the law and our ability to obey the law, but it's all of grace and it's all of him. His Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And I think he also can do this in our time with him in prayer. I think he could also do this in our time as we are just spending, thinking upon him, reading his word. The sweetness of the Holy Spirit to minister to us. What does this adoption mean for us? Number one, it, it means that we no longer have the spirit of bondage again to fear. You don't have the fear of condemnation or being under the law. Number two, we're loved with the same love that the Father has for Christ. We are part of his beloved. Number three, he will care for us as a heavenly father. You you look at it where Jesus says, when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. Or, In Luke 12, where it says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind for all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You have a father who cares for you, adopted into his family. Not only that, but number four, he chastens you. Hebrews 12, my son, do not despise the chasing of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? For if you are without chasing, of of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Everybody who's a Christian, everybody who's been adopted into the family of God gets chastened by God. And I, I think we could go around the room. We won't, but I think we could. And you know that in those times where you stray and you fall, God chastens you, disciplines you. You know it, you see it. I hear people, they come up to me and they say, it feels like every Sunday the message is just for me. And others of you guys say the same thing. You're not the only one. They come and God just, he dealt with me today. I see people wander. And I'm thankful when I see God chasing them. It means that you belong to him. The other implications of being adopted into the family of God, number five, is that you have a much larger family in Christ. You've been adopted into the family, and we are all with him, together, in him. 
Since we've been adopted into God's family, we as Christians are brothers and sisters in Christ, adopted into the same family. Ephesians 2.19, Now therefore we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. John White says it this way, You were cleansed by the same blood, regenerated by the same spirit, You're citizens of the same city, a slave of the same master, a reader of the same scriptures, a worshiper of the same God. The same presence dwells silently in you as in them. Therefore, you are committed to them and they to you. They are your brothers and sisters, your fathers, mothers, and children of God. Whether you like or dislike them, you belong to them. You have responsibilities towards them that must be discharged in love. As long as you live on this earth, you are in debt, whether They have done much or little for you. Christ has done all. He demands that your indebtedness to him be transferred to your new family. You are brothers and sisters together in Christ, whether you like it or not. You find somebody that you don't enjoy as much, just know you will spend eternity with them. (laughs) Learn to love them now. It's a good thing. There's more. Last thing I'll mention is we have an inheritance, but we will look at that after Easter. Our text tells us also here, but you've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. One of the greatest titles that the creator of the universe gives of himself is that of our Father or our Abba, Father, be translated, oh, my father, or in Aramaic, it's less formal. It's, it's like a child lovingly, reverently calling his or her father daddy. It brings it to a level that the disciples would have heard Jesus refer as he prayed to the father as my, our father who art in heaven, or there as he was in the garden where he said, to the disciples, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death, stay here and watch. And he went a little further and he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. And he, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. And then he invites us to do the same. Our Father intimacy that's there our father you're no longer under the bondage of fear but you are in a place where the spirit enables you and through you cries out abba father this closeness that's there with god where the disciples would have looked at this and thought unheard of we take it for advantage we just say dear god heavenly father they, they wouldn't even call him by name And yet what Christ has done for us, bringing us into the family of God, that he says we can call him Abba Father, meaning just the closest relationship with him. We could call him Father, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven. Martin Luther said, if he could just understand the first two words of the Lord's Prayer, he would never be the same again. Our Father. Our Father. Adopted into his family. And so we look at this, and it is praiseworthy. A 
father who, when he sees the prodigal, still afar off, has compassion, runs to him, falls on his neck and kisses him. A father who says, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let's eat and be merry for my son who was dead is alive again and he who was lost is found and they began to be merry. A father like that who runs, anybody who would have ever read a story like that would have thought, fathers don't run. They don't do something like that. They don't pull their robe up and run. And yet God says, this is what it's like when my prodigal returns. I run, I run to them. The love of the Father for us. Brothers and sisters, we have been adopted into the family of God. Therefore, we refer to ourselves as brothers and sisters. And we will for all eternity with Christ. Just a taste of the doctrine of adoption. May it ignite our hearts to praise him this morning. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we we love our salvation. We love you. You have not withheld any good thing from us. Thank you for bringing us into your family. Thank you for saving us from our sin. Thank you for making us heirs with you for all eternity. Lord, you have been so good to us. Thank you that we could be here this morning and pray to you and you hear us and you allow us to call you our Father, to cry out to you, Abba, Father, the intimacy of one who has been made a child, adopted into the family of God, all the rights and privileges of sonship now. We praise you for that, Lord. You have been so good to us. May we, may we just understand the tiniest amount of the first two words of the Lord's Prayer when you have called us to say our Father. And may it change us forever. We praise you for adopting us into your family. It all would have been good enough. It all would have been worthy of praise both now and forevermore. And yet... By the good pleasure of your will, to the praise of the glory of your grace, you adopted us. Lord, for us as your people to behold the manner of love with which you've loved us. That we, here in this congregation, might be called the children of God. Thank you, Jesus. Be exalted through the praises of your people now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.